you know, one thing I noticed, and my husband has talked about, and I don't know if I'm quoting this just right, you're okay. I don't know if I'm quoting this just right, but I saw this. Uh, it was attributed to Brother Lloyd Shoecraft. He made this statement at some camp meeting um, somewhere that if there was ever, there's never been a good time to be lost. But right now is about the worst time you could possibly think of to be lost because we know that the Lord is coming soon. And so, and right now, I'll tell you too, deception is everywhere you look. Everywhere, you don't know what to believe. You honestly don't know what to believe. You don't know what to believe on the news media. You don't know what to believe from the politicians. And you don't know what to believe when you are trying to find all of your, and I'll get into that in a minute, trying to find all of your spiritual connections via the web. Trust me. Trust me. Don't trust them. Okay. <laughs> trust me in that statement. All right. I want us to uh, turn in our Bibles. I'm going to have you, we're, if, if you will, we're going to camp just a little bit in Corinthians. We're going to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And then we'll, I've got... I've got about five scriptures that I'm going to read here at the beginning. When you find 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would stand, I'd appreciate it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. You're going to think this is odd, but it, it fits. And no, I'm not preaching on marriage, okay? <laughs> Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Now, if you could back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning at verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. All right. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Back up a page or two, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Verse 31 says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. Back that part up a little bit. Repeat, whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now we're going to go quickly over to Romans. Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Isaiah, back to the Old Testament, and then I'll finish with these two scriptures in Isaiah chapter 5. 
Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your house. And Lord, this is uh, something that I don't do that often, but Lord, I've studied it. And Lord, I've asked you for wisdom, and I'm asking right now for your anointing. Lord, that everything that I would say would be according to your plan. Lord, I pray that you would help me not to say things I shouldn't say, but to only say those things which, Lord, is what you would have me to say. And Lord, I'll thank you and I'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to do some writing, and I'll just warn you, my writing on a board is usually atrocious, so hopefully you can read it. But we live, we've already mentioned tonight, we live in an interesting time. I mean, who to thunk? You think about where we are with everything that's going on in our society, things that we see that are being debated and, and what have you, and two, three years ago, we would have never dreamed that we would be there but here we are. And that shows me that the signs are everywhere that speak that we're living in the last days. And the Bible tells us clearly that in the last days, evil will wax worse and worse and worse. It'll be more prevalent. It's in our headlines every day. But we also live in the day of the information highway. Thank you. Who was it that claimed that they they uh, developed the, that created the internet, which was Al Gore. Yeah, I, I kind of doubt that. Uh, he has about as much uh, chance of ha having done that as Joe Biden did. Okay, so, but anyway, the information highway. And that's a time when if you have a certain belief or a certain doctrine or you want to leave a certain belief or leave a certain doctrine, all you have to do is search on the internet and you can find someone that will have written something or they'll have done a podcast on something or they will do a blog on something and they will tell you everything you want to hear. If that's what you want, it's out there. We had someone argue with us one time and it wasn't an argument. Most of the time these arguments are not arguments that you start as a pastor, they want to come to you and they want to argue why they want to go do what they want to do. And they, and the argument was made, well, Wikipedia says, and I didn't know too much about Wikipedia, but I found out since then, if you want to change what Wikipedia says, all you got to do is get on there and change it. You can change it. I can change it. All God's people and all those that aren't God's people can change it. So you can find anything you want to find on the internet. The problem is, someday we're going to stand before God. And the internet theologian is not going to stand right there beside of you 
telling, standing there, and uh, they're not going to be your go-between. When God says, I have a problem, or, or God speaks to them, and or speaks to you, and says, you led people astray, or you didn't do right by your family, that, that internet theologian's not going to be there. But I will tell you that if you do everything that's within your power to follow the Lord, we're not perfect. You may have someone that's willing to stand right there and be an advocate for you because the Bible tells us that Jesus is an advocate for us. And he, will, he makes intercession for us and he will serve as a lawyer. An advocate, we talked about an advocate in our Sunday school class this morning. He will serve on your behalf. But that internet theologian that thinks they know everything, that's saying all the things that you want them to say, is not going to be there standing with you. They're going to have their own meeting before God. And I'm not saying yay or nay about their meeting before God. That's between them and God. But I am telling you, you need to be careful and you need to have a watch for your souls. There are some inter sense, internet sensations that uh, we, I've looked at people that I know that all of a sudden they have said that you, it is a sin and it's wrong for a pastor or a preacher to get up and to say that you can leave or you can fall out of the grace of God. It's scaremongering to tell somebody that you can backslide. So what does that tell me that this person believes? It tells me that they're trying to say, it don't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to be okay because you can't backslide. Now, if that's not dangerous, I don't know what it is. The goal that we should have, and we've heard that um, illustration talked. My husband's mentioned it several times. I won't go through it about the woman that wanted somebody. I won't go through that in detail. But the woman that wanted someone to drive her up the mountain. The goal is to stay as far away from the edge as we possibly can. But I read that scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5 says, Woe unto them that call evil good. But there's a flip side to that and good evil. So a pastor fully realizes if he's a good pastor that someday he's going to give an account before God if he tries to make things too hard and has no scriptural basis, has no doctrinal basis for that. So it goes both ways. A pastor realizes you know, too many times we want to talk about the path to heaven is a straight and narrow road. Well, if it's a straight and narrow road, that means there's pitfalls on the left and there's pitfalls on the right. You've got to walk it the way God wants you to walk it. All right? But now we're talking about something. Let me, let me just say, I know back in the day, I was talking to Brother Hughes beforehand, back in the day, you know... I raised my kids, and we didn't have television. Um, you know, we saw some things. We, I mean, my family, uh, there, we had family members that had TV. And so there were those that really made a name for themselves in the Christian community, and even, you know, different ones that would talk about, well, you shouldn't allow your child to play with this toy or that character. And, and some things are plain, and some things... Um, we made judgment calls as parents, but 
we didn't, my kids didn't watch a cartoon that told them exactly how to play with that toy. If it was a toy, they played with it like a toy. Okay, and and I'm not justifying that, but sometimes our decisions were made based on the information that we had and the circumstance in, that we were raising our children. So I may have done things differently than the person down, you know, two, three pews away from me. But sometimes we've got to realize there are some of those things that I need to keep my nose in my pea patch and I need to keep and your nose needs to stay in your pea patch. Not everything is up for thus saith the Lord. Thou shalt not play with a, you know, a Gumby. I don't know. I'm just going to use that because that, and the kids look at me and say, they don't even know what a Gumby is. Yeah, they're laughing. They don't. Okay, but hey, hey, that was a cool thing. I, do you got, you don't know what a Gumby is? Okay, all right, regardless. That makes me really feel old, Brother Hughes. But anyway, as parents, we have to make decisions every day. Most of those decisions are personal ones. They are personal ones. And you should pray over the decisions and how you raise your children. Tonight, though, I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. This one is, should not be controversial. And I don't believe that it is in any way, shape, or form. When there's a clear and present evil, you know, we talk about a clear and present danger. When there is a clear and present evil, it should be obvious to us what, as Christians, we should, how we should participate or not participate or how much. Um, you may not agree with me, but that's okay. Um, like I said, you're going to stand before God and I'm going to stand before God. I'm going to give you several reasons tonight as to why Christians should not celebrate Halloween. I'm going to write them up here. But another name for Halloween is All Saints Day or All Hallowed Eve or All Souls Day because the Catholic Church came in and they saw, they came in into an area that they were already participating in this this uh, tradition. And so they didn't want, they looked at it and they found a, saw a way that they could make money. And so they thought, you know, wait a minute here. We not, may not want to turn this thing completely off. Let's just turn it around to suit our needs. And so the Catholic Church incorporated it into their belief system, belief system as a way to get money from the people. Because how it originated, it, it originated back in the Celtic area of the world, and it originated mostly with the Druids. And the Druids were definitely not Christians. They never claimed to be Christians. They were Satan-worshiping people, all right? They served a false Satanistic god. And this God demanded human sacrifice. Now, what they did is they came up and they developed a certain um, tradition that they, that's where the name trick or treat comes from. What happened is they would come, every, there would, they believed that the souls of the dead that had died the previous year were walking around in, on the face of this earth and they had not found peace until you got to All Souls Day, all right, Halloween. And the Druids believed what they could do is they, they believed 
that their priesthood could go door to door and they could knock on your door and they could demand something. And what they would demand is they would either demand, um, if you were Druid, they either demanded the life of someone in your household or a very large amount of money. Now, if you didn't want someone in your household to die, you better be prepared to pay a large amount of money. Problem was, they were poor people. And so sometimes coming up with that large amount of money was very, very difficult. So what would happen if you did not participate in the treat, then later on, the trick would take place and they would come and they would get someone out of your household, preferably the younger, the better, that they would offer as a human sacrifice. Now, they did this as part, they did human sacrifices as part of their, of their worship, okay? So they had, if, okay, all of a sudden I go to Bob Jeffrey's house and he decides he's going to pay money then what I, I'm the priest, we'll just pretend, I'm the priest, I would say, okay, you've paid the money, but to make sure that the spirits know that you're okay, that this household is okay, we're going to give you either a gourd or a pumpkin that they would draw a hideous face into, and it would, it would be lit inside. Now, how do they light pumpkins nowadays. They light them with candles. Okay, what they lit them with there was a, an oil or a fat. And where they got that from was from, it was a byproduct of the human sacrifice. It would be the oil of some of the human sacrifices that they had already used earlier in the year. So, the first thing the origin, the origin of the word bonfire, I found this out. This was kind of unique to me. This, you know, some of this stuff we've all heard. It's not new to you. I've told it before. But um, they would take, and they, like I said, they did human sacrifices. And in their human sacrifice, um, there would be carcasses left over. How many of you have ever cut up deer? You got to get rid of that carcass. Well, in the horrific manner in which you can imagine, there was carcasses of the human sacrifices that were left over. So the best way for them to get rid of those carcasses was to build a fire. And we refer to it, you know, you go outside, all my life I've referred to bonfire. What that really is, is a bone fire. That's where the original term bonfire came up, came, originated from bonefire. Now, am I saying if I hear you say bonfire, I'm going to say, shamey, shamey, shamey. You know, it's something we've said all of our life. Me, myself, after I heard that, I'm going to start checking myself. I'm going to, I don't want to say that word. I don't want to. I'll just call it a campfire. Okay, I'm sure we get out to Brookdale Farms and, you know, somebody there, one of the employees of Brookdale Farms may say, well, we're going to light your bonfire and we'll all look at each other and just smile and shake our, their heads. Thank you very much. But it's just not a term I want to use because I don't want any part 
of what this stands for. But if you were Celtic and you needed to go out for some crazy reason, maybe you were one of the people that it was your job to go knocking on the doors and ask for the money. What you would do so that those spirits that were out there killing people and grabbing people for human sacrifices wouldn't grab you, you dressed up in some kind of evil-looking costume so they wouldn't bother you. So you see where the origin of trick-or-treat, costumes, bonfires, there's so many different things that we can trace back I'm not going to get into all of them, but there's so many different things that we could trace back of how Halloween is, is um, basically done today that trace originally back to the Celtic Druids. So number one, what's the first reason why a Christian shouldn't participate in Halloween? Number one, death. Uh, can you see that? Huh? Can, let me use a darker color. Okay, that's death, all right? <laughs> Has already been defeated. The Bible tells us that when Jesus went into the pits of, of paradise, or really what was the hell back then. It was hell was on one side, paradise was on the other. And, and Lucifer, Satan himself, kind of had the keys to all that. But somebody took the keys. My Savior took the keys. Death has been defeated. And so Halloween, if you think about it, everything that you see is that evil-looking house that's on Route 50 when you drive up there. Everything that's outside is, is screaming, death, death. We might look at it and we may say it's screaming Satan. Well, who is the God of the dead? Satan. So everything has, that about Halloween it deals with death. And we know as a Christian, we should realize that death has already been defeated. Now, I'm going to quickly get into the next one because I've got quite a few, so it's not going to be as long as the introduction was. But number, number two, everything, number two, everything we do, and I'm talking we as Christians, we do, as Christians, should glorify God. Is that your goal? Is your goal to just, I don't know, ho-hum and just slide through and, and not really create any waves here on earth and, and think you're going to get to heaven, especially here in these last days? Or are you going to do everything within your power. Maybe you don't have a big mouth like I do, but you're still going to do everything within your power to glorify God. If that's what you want to do and that's what you should do as a Christian, then you should not be a participant in anything to do with something that, you know, you think about it. Where did they make? How did they make? Uh, 
those jack-o'-lanterns, they made them out of the fat of human beings. Okay, so as a Christian, you're going to tell me it's okay for you to cut, uh, oh, I'm not going to cut a horrible face. I'm going to cut a, uh, a WVU sign or something like that. And you're going to end up putting a candle in there and you're going to have everything. You're going to be right up, right close at his next two participating in the same thing that the Celtic Druids dealt with and what that signified. And, and you think that's glorifying God? Common sense, people. Common sense. As Christians, we're to be ambassadors of Christ to this world. We're supposed to, everything we do in our lives should strive to please him, should strive to represent him. If Halloween is a day that had its beginnings and continues to this day to be celebrated by witches, Satanists, and the occult, then why are we affiliating ourselves with it? What's the wisdom in that? Okay, number three. Try to pick one that works better. Okay, makes it all the way through. Let me look at it again because my forgetter is working pretty good. Okay, we are supposed to be, but I'm going to put it definitive. We are the light of the world. If we're the light of the world, then we're supposed to be something that draws attention. And I'm not saying to be weird for weird's sake, okay? Uh, you know, some of us can't, I, I won't mention any names. I'm just teasing, Brother Davey. <laughs> some of us can't help but be weird. <laughs> no, okay. But we can still be weird in a kind of funny way. We're, we're kind of down-home folks here in this church. We kind of joke with one another, and I don't know how some of the people that come and visit, how they take that, but, you know, we seem to get along. Every, everybody seems to get along. But we, I believe everyone in here, your desire is to be the light of the world. You want to be like a, a candle, that shines out, you know, just like that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. We want to be a light to everyone. We want our life to glorify Christ. When we dress up, if we were, let me just ask you a question. What would you all think if you saw me? Now, you know what I believe and what I've told you, all of a sudden, you saw me walking down Romney Main Street, and I was in a, uh, I'm going to just, on a witch's costume. Besides laughing, I know some of you are laughing right now. But what would you think? Would you feel like somebody had hauled off and just punched you in the gut? Because all of a sudden, somebody that you thought should have a light for Christ, they were doing everything I'd be, if I were to participate in that, everything within my power, I'd be doing everything to snuff that light out. I would disappoint you. What do you think happens when God, you know, folks, 
In these last days, we need to realize we need to be as close to God as we possibly can. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But every day we get up and it's a new day. And it's a new desire. I want to serve you, Lord. I don't want to do anything that disappoints you. I don't want to do anything that others would see that would cast suspicion, not just on me, but would cast suspicion on my Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to do those things. So, number four, another reason why we should not participate. I'm going to stick with this one since it seems to be working. Okay? Christianity... And paganism are partners? No. Christianity and paganism don't mix. Do you guys ever recall in your lifetime ever hearing about a Satanist declaring a day when all witches and, and Satan satanistic people and everyone that worships the devil was going to stop and they were all going to come and they were going to go to the nearest church and they were all going to worship God. Do you ever remember that day? It's not going to happen. But yet we're told by people that think they know better that our church needs to be a witness by having trunk or treat out in our parking lot. When Halloween is a day that's dedicated to the devil himself, and I'm not being hyperbolic with that. That's, I'm, if anything, I'm underplaying it. So if the devil's not going to call a halt to all of his activities and come and worship God with a sincere heart, why should the Christians, why should the churches do the same? Christianity and paganism don't mix. They don't have, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. Light has nothing to do with darkness. That's that first scripture. We shouldn't be unequally yoked. We put that with marriage, but it has to do with anything that we do in life. We should not have anything to do with the darkness of this world. All right. You know, a lot of people are becoming more aware due to movies and books being written and people talking more and more and more about child trafficking. I think we're more aware of that since Donald Trump was president than we were ever aware before. He was, it was something that he desired to fight and made, he made people aware that it was going on. But you know, sometimes I think when we kind of keep our head a little bit in the sand because it's comfortable, because that's the way it's always been, some people think that child trafficking is all about one thing, and that's the pleasure of man. But that's not what it's all about. It's not, and I, I'm trying to be careful, okay? Child trafficking takes place today, and one of the main reasons is because they sacrifice children. They sacrifice children for their organs, they sacrifice children for their blood. And they even go on television programs. I've seen clips of um, artists and 
and uh, actors or actresses. You don't call them actresses anymore. You call them actors. But because who knows if they're a man or a woman anyway, if you get right down to it. Okay. But they talk about this new cream that they have to put on their face. Oh, and, and the, the degenerate woman that used to be on a talk show host, she says, well, what's it made of? And the actress there said, oh, it's made from the foreskins of aborted babies. So we're sacrificing children, and, I, and, and abortion is bad enough, but I don't think it's all abortion. But that's a sacrifice in itself to make cosmetics, to make something that will make me have a few less wrinkles. I'll tell you something. Christianity and paganism, there's clear lines being drawn today where our eyes should be more open to it today than ever before, and they don't mix. Number five, I got to move. There's no rebrand, before I would go, there's no amount of rebranding or polishing up a holiday like this to make it wholesome and worthy of any house of God participating in any way, shape, or form. All right, number five. This is where we might have some trouble. Obeying God's word should be the most important thing It says, my original says, should be the most important thing a Christian does, but I'm just going to put we do. Obeying God's word as we as Christians, we should seek to obey God's word more than we, than we should seek food for our bodies. We should get into God's word. We should study God's word. And there were some clear scriptures that talk that we mentioned but I want to read another scripture because there's a lot more that I couldn't have, that I didn't read at the beginning that I could have read. You don't, you don't have to turn with me if you can just write it down if you want to. The Bible gives strict warnings all throughout. But in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10, this is one of the first times it's recorded, and there's several different times that it's recorded. It says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord God doth drive them out from before thee. Okay, he's saying you should not participate in anything that looks like seances or witchcraft or Ouija boards or anything that's evil and you know that it's evil. When I was, um, I was in public school and uh, I don't know how... I don't think I was in high school yet. I, it may have been. If I was, it was like ninth grade, but I think it was in middle school. Um, I didn't, 
I had friends, and I was careful. I got saved the same time my family, my mom got saved, and, um, you know, the rest of my family came in, and we all knelt at the altar the same night. So uh, it's not a situation where I had parents that really mandated to me what being a Christian was. We kind of all learned together, okay? And so uh, we were going to a good church, and I can remember that I was really careful. One day I was invited to a slumber party from somebody at school, and they were, this girl was a good girl. I mean, I thought she was. And I was invited, and I thought it was cool. And so we went, and I went to this slumber party, and, you know, you had all kinds of fun, and you talk about boys, and, you, and, and we did the thing where you, there was no caller ID at the time, where you call somebody and, and say, do you have Prince Albert in a can? Well, you better get him out. You know, we kind of did the, those kind of things. I know this younger generation are looking and thinking, that is so lame. It was, but we thought it was fun, okay? <laughs> And all of those things I, I was fine with, okay? I, you know, I didn't think, I didn't necessarily do it, um, but I was, how is it? I was a, a silent participant, and then it was going on, and I was there, okay? And I laughed, and I thought it was fun, all right? But it kind of moved into, because it hadn't been that long since somebody famous, and I don't think it was Elvis yet, because I think it was in high school when Elvis died, but there was somebody had died, that these girls wanted to talk to. And so they started a seance. And I'll tell you something. I wasn't very old, and I wasn't very old in the Lord, but something came over me, and I believe it was the Holy Ghost that came over me and said, you need to quit. You need to get out of here. Now, I have to tell you something. If my mom is listening to this, she's going to fuss at me tomorrow, but that's okay. She's if she don't have this to fuss about, she finds something else to. Okay? My mom, when we were growing up, my brother would tell you the same thing. There were many times I went to school sick. Not that I was so sick, but if, if I was ever sick. You know, my mom had, she got up with my stepdad and fixed him something to eat when he came home from work. And, and so sometimes she didn't get in bed till, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, not because she's up and having a big old time, but because she had responsibilities, things that she needed to take care of. We were, you know, old enough that we could get ourselves up and get ourselves ready for school. But all of a sudden, if you were sick, you had to talk to mom and get her permission. There were times, my brother and I, we still say to this day, we went to school sick because my mother is not very pleasant when you wake her up. She's just not. Now, he may tell you that I take after my mother, but don't believe it, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't, it didn't matter. It was two or three o'clock in the morning and they're having the seance and I needed out of there. I needed out of there. And so I told the girl, I don't know, maybe it was a lie. I don't think it was, though. I told her I didn't feel well. I needed to use the phone. I needed to call my mom. And I called my mom and woke her up. Whoa, what do you want? Okay, that was the first reaction. I didn't care. I said, Mom, you need to come and get me. She said, what's wrong? I said, to tell you when you get here, you need to come and get me. And she did. 
She didn't ask any more questions. She came, she got in the car, she drove, you know, it, we didn't live very far away. I mean, it was 10 or 15 minutes. I was waiting outside on the stoop for her because I didn't want to stay in the house. I gathered my stuff, and when I got in the car, I said, Mom, they were calling up. I don't know who we're going to say it was. I don't even remember. But for, we'll just say it was Elvis, and I know it wasn't because he was still alive. They were calling up Elvis from the dead, and, Mom, it was a seance, and I didn't need to stay there. And my mom said, you can call me for that any time you want to. Because she, my mom, my mom was good about that kind of thing. When, when boys would ask me out that I didn't want to go out with, I'd say, I'd get on the phone and I'd say, they'd call me up and they'd say, um, will you go out with me? And, and they weren't Christian boys. They weren't the type of Christian boys that were real Christian boys. They were acting Christian boys. And I'd say, hold on, let me talk to my mom. I have to ask her. And I'd look at mama and I'd say, mom, John wants to know if I can go out with him. And I'd be going, and she'd say, no, <laughs> she didn't have to ask me right at that moment. She didn't have pull the, you know, the question, the 20 questions with me. She did what I needed her to do. And then we talked about it later. Well, it was the same thing with the seance. Christians need to obey God's word. That needs to be the most important thing, even above waking your mother and having her growl at you. All right, I got to move on. Okay, we, number six, we, meaning Christians, every one of us, did you know that you have a calling on your life? We are called, every last one of us, we are called to stand out. Because we're weird? No. We're, because we're different and we're peculiar. And we don't do the things that everybody else thinks that they should do. And we don't do the things that the church down the road does because we're different. We're called to stand out and to stand up for God. We're supposed to, we're supposed to work on not fitting into this world because this world is not our home. It's not. And, you know, one thing people need to realize is you cannot walk with Jesus while holding Satan's hand. Something's got to give. You're either going to be torn asunder or you're going to have to let go of one and grab harder to the other. You cannot dance with the devil and expect to make it to heaven. And then the number seven, and I'm going to finish here because I don't know how long I've gone, but I'm sure it's longer than it needed to be. All right. Nothing. Nothing is a combination of two words. No thing. Nothing about Halloween. Is good. Nothing. No thing. Nothing about Halloween. It's clear. It's not a toy that, oh, well, you know, my kid doesn't know that, you know, Teletubbies has magic powers in their belly. I don't know. I'm just coming up with something. Okay. It's, that's not a, that's, that may be a judgment call that a parent makes. Halloween 
should be something that should be definitive in the life of every Christian. You should not participate. Everything about it is evil, regardless of people modernizing it, regardless of churches having trunk or treat celebrations to supposedly win the lost. I don't know how many people come to the Lord through a trunk or treat celebration anyway. It isn't innocent to participate in something that is so closely aligned with the devil. It's not innocent. And go ahead, get online. Find your blogger. Find your, you can find them, I'm sure. I didn't look because I don't want to look at that trash. You can find someone that tells you it's okay and you're being a testimony, I'm sure. But you know something? Instead of downloading the trash that's on the internet, at this church, we have an altar. At your home, you should have your own altar. And that's where you need to download from the source that is the most godly information highway available. That's through the Holy Spirit from God, God's throne. Download the truth. If you download the truth, I have no problem whatsoever. I'm not, I'm a woman. I am a woman. I didn't, I better slop. Disregard all that. I started to say, I'm not. I'm not usurping. That's where I was going with, and then I went to something else. I'm not usurping anybody's authority, because I guarantee you he feels the same way. And I guarantee you most everybody in here feels the same way. But sometimes this needs to be taught so we know how to talk to others. This needs to be taught so our kids hear it, so they know why you're you know, you don't, you're not going to the class party for Halloween. Yes, we do things here at this church. We, as my husband said, we're going to be gathering up um, more coinage than anything. That's where it's going to. And that's a good thing. I like money. I mean, I don't love money because it's the root of all evil. If the love of money is the root of all evil. But I like spending money for the things that I want rather than somebody else spending money on things I don't want. Okay? Does that make sense? But we're going to give to our kids. We're going to give them treats. Doesn't have a thing to do with trick-or-treat. We don't call it trick-or-treat. We're not, we're not dressing up in any way to get that. We're not participating in anything that represents death or paganism, or Satan. We're not doing that. The only thing we're doing is we're telling our Christian kids that we love you every bit as much, if not more, than the world loves their children. Because if we didn't give you special things, we're still giving you the most special thing, and that's truth. Because truth will take you to heaven. Let's all stand.